Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 43 of The Squad Room. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Garrett Tesla. I'm an active duty patrol sergeant for a sheriff's department in Southern California. If this is your first time listening to the show, which I suspect for a lot of you it might be, because I think today's guest is going to bring a lot of new people to the show, this show is about optimizing, maintaining, and developing law enforcement fitness and being fit throughout your career, fit for duty, tactical athlete, all those important things. That encompasses our uh, physical health, our mental health, our emotional health, our leadership, all of those things that go into making us uh, better. The point of this show is trying to make myself better and then share some of those tips. And today I got a lot of them out of our guest, uh, Tim Kennedy, UFC star, fighting in November at Madison Square Garden, uh, former Green Beret, uh, still involved in the in that community, but uh, active duty uh, Green Beret. What I learned about Tim, Tim's always been like honestly my favorite fighter, and I'm not saying that because he was on the show, but I, I'm like a casual fan of UFC, but he's always entertained me in the way that he talks, and in, you'll get it today in his very candid style. His very open uh, style. Um, he is very vocal about his beliefs, and he is a force of personality. Even via Skype from 1,200 miles away, had a great conversation, and I could, it was just oozing <laughs> out of the out of the interweb. So uh, Tim was kind enough to come on. I've I've always been a fan of his, but I never really thought he uh, had uh, something to add to my show or something. That, I never thought of him as a guest for the show until I heard him on the Jocko podcast, Jocko Willink's podcast, and he and Jocko got into some intense conversation about law enforcement training and what they would want to do to train up law enforcement around the world, and that Tim is involved in that now, but he also added that he uh, has a history in law enforcement. His family are uh, is in law enforcement, and he himself actually went through the academy, and he had job offers from police agencies and was on his route towards becoming a cop. And we'll talk about why he didn't do that or why he eventually shifted from that to the military. We'll talk about the episode. But that was fascinating to me. And I thought it would be great to get his perspective. Now the perspective of someone who's gone to war and uh, has trained at a top level of uh, mixed martial arts and what the things that he wants to bring to law enforcement. And then I heard him on the Chive podcast uh, and he's hilarious on that too. I'll link to both of those in the show notes. But if you're uh, looking for other podcasts talked about that have Tim Kennedy on, Jocko's podcast is one. The Chive podcast is another where he's just different set different parts of his personality coming out in both. And he's great in both. And he's a great interview. Um, he gives a lot of very sound um, advice, and we discuss a lot of things. And uh, we even discuss. Uh, uh, a controversial post that he recently made, and I'll get to that in a second. So he's a, he's, he was a great guest to have on. It was odd because I learned that he actually ended up with a job offer from my own agency, uh, and uh, I, I checked with some partners who, lo and behold, went through the academy with him. And they remember him as being as intense back then, 12-something years ago, uh, as he is today. And so I, I was ha- happy to know that his personality hadn't changed, uh, it sounds like, one bit. Um, but I can't uh, thank Tim enough for coming on the show. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at uh, Tim Kennedy MMA for some very f- cool. I mean, it's a mixture of like hilarity, uh, gun porn, and uh, just motivational t- t- kind of stuff. Um, and he was super cool to give us some time and and chat. So that is uh, definitely something I want you guys to to look into. All right, so before we get more into Tim and that show, I want to thank our new sponsor for the, starting this episode. Uh, this is cool. Today's podcast uh, is brought to you by Audible.com. 
if you don't know what Audible is, Audible is audiobooks. All the books that you could read or buy on Amazon, almost all of them you can get in Audible or an audio format. I like this for our audience because just like podcasts, and I know that a lot of you are listening to my podcast when you're driving around, well, once you're done with my podcast, if you're still looking for something to kind of expand your mind, to open your horizons, and to pursue other ideas, audiobooks are another great way to do that. A lot of us commute. We have commute times. We have downtime at work. We're driving around in a patrol car uh, in the dead of night, and there's nothing going on, and, and audiobooks are a great way to occupy your mind, keep awake. And also use that time efficiently and effectively to get better. So audiobooks, I'm super psyched on. And audible.com is here as a, uh, as a sponsor. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash the squad room. All one word. Audibletrial.com forward slash the squad room. Free 30-day trial. Free audiobook of your choice. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's cool. There's no commitment from there. Um, it's a monthly subscription if you choose to move forward with it, but you don't have to just check it out and get a free audiobook and a 30 day download, a free trial. Uh, it's, it's really cool. You get to keep the book, even if you decide not to, uh, not to sign up for audible and you're supporting the show, uh, in a, in a big way. My book recommendation for this month, I'm going to try and do one for every episode. I mean, uh, I could try and give you a book recommendation for every episode. This one is, just like we just the guy we just mentioned, a friend of Tim Kennedy, uh, Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership. I've talked about it before on the show. It's an excellent book. His co-author, Leif Babin, and him, uh, lieutenant commander and commander of a SEAL team uh, that was, uh, and they were in charge of uh, the team that was made famous by Chris Kyle in American Sniper. So they got a lot of insights. It's a great book. Check it out. AudibleTrial.com forward slash The Squad Room. All right, so back to Tim. Uh, Tim was open to talking about anything, and we did. Uh, just uh, about a week before we jumped on the phone together, he put out a post, an Instagram post, Facebook post, that turned out to be wildly controversial. And uh, if you follow him or you follow uh, UFC or you follow military stuff, you've probably heard some of the dust-up that came of it. Uh, and we talk about it on the show, and I thought his his response to it was really interesting. For you who don't follow any uh, Tim or the military or uh, MMA and anything like that. You may not be aware, but I think if you're listening to the show and you're a cop, you're aware of the issues around PTSD and mental health and that sort of thing. And that's a big topic on our show. So he put out a post that got, I think, taken the wrong way by a lot of people. When we talk about on the show, I don't, I want to read it verbatim so that if you haven't heard it, you'll understand the context of that conversation that we have, because it becomes an important, it's probably the most important thing we talk about on the show. And if you don't uh, understand what we're talking about and why it was a big dust up and all that sort of stuff, it's probably not going to make as much sense. So you apologize. I'm not going to try my best Tim Kennedy impression. I'm just going to read it as myself. But this is Tim Kennedy's uh, post uh, that he made. And actually, before I go any further, too, I'll say that this episode, we do, uh, we are adults and we use adult language. And there are some conversations about things in war and in police work that are uh, not uh, for the faint of heart or especially for little ears. So this is an episode to listen to on your own. So I'll give you that little uh, disclaimer now. All right, so here's Tim Kennedy's post. I'm asked daily about how and why I don't have PTSD. I'm probably the last person on earth you should ask about this stuff. I have killed kids and women during war. I have seen my friends and fellow soldiers burn alive. My adult life is filled with the things horror movies are made of. I could have nightmares every night or be a medicated PTSD victim if I didn't choose every day to make a difference for myself and, more importantly, for the men that died to my left and my right. 
I don't give a fuck about how they say we are supposed to heal. I'll tell you how we I'll tell you how to get better. You stop being a pussy. You get up early and train. You train so hard your hands bleed and you sweat acid. You train so hard you collapse seeing stars. You go get cleaned up. Have a healthy meal. Look your best. Dress nice. Then, know that the real work is about to start. Find something bigger than yourself and pour every ounce of who you are into it. If that's your family, be the best father on earth. If you're a cop, firefighter, or a trash man, be the best. Know every law, regulation, or route like the back of your hand. Be the best shot on the force. Be in better shape than every officer in the country and serve the community like it's your reason for living. When you finally get home, be a generous lover, then collapse into bed. You should be falling asleep before your head hits the pillow because you work so hard every moment of the day. Get up the next day and start all over again. At some point, and I'm not sure when, you won't need to do these things anymore, but you will because you know you are making a difference. It won't be about you getting better or healthier. It'll be about you contributing and giving. It will be about being the best version of yourself, and that version is a badass that is hard to kill, that doesn't give a fuck about what other people think. You do the right thing because you believe it. When you finally get to heaven and you get to see your brothers, they will high-five you as you walk by because you made their death worth something and made your life meaningful. Hell, you might even get a little wink from God. So that's Tim Kennedy's post that caused a little bit of an uproar. I think it's fascinating. I think I read it several times before we spoke, and then I took my perspective at it, and I asked him about it, and we talk about it. So it's great stuff. Check out the squadroom.com net forward slash episode 43 for show notes for the show where you can find the links to uh, Tim's new company sheepdog response and all the other stuff that he's doing. I mean, this guy is, is crazy. He's an entrepreneur and he's a green beret. He's a UFC fighter. That's fighting November 12th at UFC 205. Uh, and the day we talked, he, we went through a little bit of his routine, but uh, he'd already been to the gym and he'd already spent two and a half hours at the range and it wasn't even noon. So the guy is motivational for sure. Tim Kennedy, thank you for being on the squad room, man. This is this is, this is a treat. <laughs> um, you know, I've wanted to have you on for quite some time. Uh, probably first uh, because of the Chive podcast, and you were such a great guest on that one. But then you were on Jocko Willing's podcast as well. He's a good friend of yours, and I'm a fan of that podcast. And you guys really got into a lot about um, law enforcement. Had a great conversation about that and about the future of the country, and also just mindset. And you, uh, um, I don't say exposed, but you talked about some things about your past that I had no idea about. One of those being that we are, uh, well, I am, I now live in the area you grew up, but that you have, um, you have some family in law enforcement and you have a history in law enforcement actually yourself. So, I mean, you, I, I guess my first thing I want to talk about is you originally wanted to be a cop. Yeah. And your brother's a cop. Your dad's a career cop. Yeah. Now, you even went through the academy, yeah? I did, yeah. And so, you, okay, so you went through the academy, and oddly enough, as we were talking via email, you got offered a job by my agency, which you, which is just random. That's just totally random to me, but you, you didn't eventually take the job. I'm curious, why not? What, what pulled you away from law enforcement, or what was the decision not to pursue that? Um, so, 9-11. I was, I was in grad school. I'd already graduated from the police academy. And I was um, moving forward. You know, my dream was to be like Clarence Starling from The Silence of the Lambs. You know, I was like, I wanted some like creepy dude like Charles Manson. 
to say he was going to eat my intestines or something. All right. when, I was, when I was in graduate school, um, this guy named Rex Krebs in San Luis Obispo, California, was victimizing. He was preying on a whole bunch of female college students and it ended up being this really horrific serial rapist, serial murder. And that was when I was there um, going to school. So that I think that shaped a lot about what I wanted to do. Um, that was my first taste of, you know, fear. You know, I had girlfriends and, you know, fellow, fellow athletes that were, you know, I could only walk so many people home from, from school. And, um, and that was like, I think my first real understanding of how evil humans can be. You know, I, I've known having my dad be in law enforcement for 30 years, I knew what that looked like. Um, you know, second per second, third degree separation. This was the first time seeing girls cry, you know, in the locker room being like, I, I don't want to walk home from school. Um, and then after the police academy, you know, I was, I was either going to go to Santa Barbara or um, Stockton PD. And then I watched some planes crash into the towers. And uh, that was a different taste of evil. That was a different type of inhumanity. And I had a very visceral response. I wanted to, I wanted to kill everyone involved. And I think it went from trying to profile these people. And there was a lot of things going on at the same time, you know, like kind of learning about myself, learning that, you know, wanting to be a forensic psychology major, not only do you, not only do you interview the predators, the criminals, but you also go and talk to the victims. And I, very quickly realized that I don't have it in me to talk to victims without wanting to go back and execute the criminals. Um, so, you know, the, the ability that police officers have to like my brother and I argue all the time, my brother who is still, you know, currently an EOD SWAT detective, you know, I was like, why didn't you shoot that guy? And he's like, you know, like, I didn't think it was the right thing to do. I'm like, but you could have shot him. He's like, yeah. So we, we fight a lot about that. So I am definitely much more of the, I went to the right thing, which was wearing green instead of blue, and uh, I'd probably be in jail if I if I if I had end up donning the uniform of a police officer. So you found I think, a, you found a career where your rules of engagement were more uh, um, in line. <laughs> in liberal, yeah. right? It's the only time I use the word liberal in, the, in a good context. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's interesting to me because I mean, we're talking on September thirteenth, right? So September eleventh was obviously two days ago, um, and I had the same shift coming from private industry to law enforcement after 9-11 it was the same thing where you've talked in previous uh interviews about how you just felt you you weren't participating enough and you weren't being of service and value and that's what eventually drove me to law enforcement was was 9-11 um you talked about that incident with a rapist walking around and it's funny because there's another connection there because my wife was at cal poly at the same time and that's that's still something that is that sits with her and and all her friends who had to deal with that and who had to have guys like you walk her home, you know? Um, uh, so I, I totally, uh, totally connect with that too. So what were you studying in grad school? Was it stuff to eventually get you into the FBI or? or yeah. Start low? So under, my undergraduate degree was in criminology. And then from there, I uh, went into psychology with um, a, di uh, a discipline in counseling and forensic psychology. Um, there wasn't a uh, forensic psychology major. Um, so it was a psychology discipline with a focus in counseling and forensics. Okay. So you shifted away from the law enforcement. You realized that wasn't your best avenue and you joined the army eventually into the Rangers and then the Green Berets. 
Um, how were you, did you, we've had a couple of green berets on recently on the show and learning some of the different ways of applying into the, into the special forces. How did you, how did that path uh, expose itself for you? Um, it, it, so after nine 11, the day of nine 11, I walked to the recruiter's office and there was, I don't know, 4,000 people in front of me. Uh, so f- when I finally got my chance nine hours later to talk to a recruiter, you know, he said, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to, I want to be a Navy SEAL, Green Beret, Special Forces Sniper, Halo guy. He's like, those are different things. <laughs> I was like, oh, but are they, you know, um, ironically, I'm almost, I'm four of the five. Um, <clears throat> and so I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And the 18 X-ray program was something that they had just you know, it's, it's, a, it's a year and a half pipeline to get a Green Beret qualified. Mm-hmm. So it's a very slow process. And to find qualified applicants is very difficult. And they recruit heavily out of collegiate athletes. Um, even though we're all enlisted, they still look for, you know, college athletes that won't, that won't go get a commission. They'll go specifically into um, the NCO ranks as a special forces guy. Um, I was one of those guys. Gotcha. And is it different than like the seals who, uh, you know, you can have a commission and go through buds or I mean, part of my ignorance on the topic, but as a green, that was one of my questions was you have uh, a grad, a degree and you're in grad school. You could have gone through OCS or, uh, or gotten a commission. What, what, what made you want to go NCO? So we, we have or, in an, in a special forces ODA, um, there's one officer, and he, um, while he's very valuable and he's an asset to the team, he's not a shooter. He is a uh, he, he is a liaison between um, command of the regular army, um, especially when we're we're deployed. Um, a lot of you, un- a, a lot of foreign militaries need to talk to you know your commanding officer. Um, so that guy is the person that they talk to. He is the liaison. Um, the rest of the ODA, the 12 of us, are that's the team. The 12 NCOs, we're the shooters, um, we're the door kickers, we're the halo guys, we're the sniper guys, we're the Sephardic guys, we're the, you know, that's that's the team. And then you have this the officer in 18 Alpha, and he is the team leader, the liaison between the higher command and the team itself. So the team can operate, we have him. Um, I don't want to be a liaison. I wanted to shoot people in the face. And, uh, so that, uh, is what I did. <laughs> so, um, staying on the green beret aspect, we had a, a couple of episodes ago, we had Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann on, who was a green beret for 18 years, uh, 23 years in the army total. And, you know, he teaches law enforcement now about some of the tactics of green berets about building trust and going local and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you're teaching cops now too, with your own company, sheepdog response, which we'll get to, um, well, actually, let's get to that now. What does Sheepdog Response do? And maybe one big giant question. If if you could teach one thing to every cop in America, regardless of the topic, what would it be? <laughs> one thing, huh? Well, you could do more than one. Um, well, okay. Sheepdog Response is a... It's not, it's, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. No, go ahead. I'll just say that I'm I'm unique. Um, you're not going to find another human on the planet that's a top ten UFC fighter, that's a black belt in jujitsu, that's a black belt in combatives, that has you know ten different deployments 
to South America, Africa, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Europe. Um, that has been in the gunfights that, like, you know, I'm I'm an anomaly, sure. and it is it would be because of all that experience. I've been in martial arts for 30 years. I've been competitive shooter for 20 some odd years. Um, I've been doing this forever. And even though I'm only 37 years old, I still have a lot more to do. Like I'm still deploying. I'm still in, I'm still fighting. I'm going to be fighting, you know, in November. Right. Um, so I could create curriculum. I could create tactical training points. I could create POI that maybe nobody else on the planet could because they haven't seen and can do it the level that I can and put it all together. You know, it's not just shooting and it's not just fighting. Um, it's warrior shit, you know, which is a little bit of all of it. So I bring in the, the best shooting instructors on the planet. I bring in the best fighters on the planet. And then I am somewhere in between those two where I shoot really, really, really well. And I fight really, really, really well. And then I have the experts on each end of me to help subsidize the the, the finest points of how to be perfect at both of them. So that's what Sheepdog Response is. It is um, my, my perception as an elite fighter and an elite shooter put into how not to get murdered, how to be the hardest person somebody ever tries to kill. Um, and if I were going to impart one bit of wisdom to law enforcement community it's a mindset it is a it's a condition it is a it is a lifestyle it's not here's a skill it's not that it is it is a paradigm shift you know i look at these these police officers that are overweight that are not training that are not on the gym i I just came the reason i was late to get on this this podcast with you i was on the range for two and a half hours after i was in the gym for an hour and a half before i go I have about two hours of recovery time and then I go work out again um, and I'm on calls in between doing work. It's, people are like, oh, that's your job. I'm like, no, this is not my job. I'm, I'm working nonstop in between all of this. Uh, it is a warrior mindset. It is – I have committed my life and I've committed my schedule to being the hardest person somebody ever tries to kill. And because I've committed myself to this, Everything else about my life is healthier. You know, I eat clean. Um, I work out. I shoot. You know, I have an amazing sex life. I have great sleep at night. My family life is fantastic. All of those other things are benefited because of this. Inversely, you know, if you look at the typical police officer that does his shift, goes home, pops his beer, watches some football, and watch the slippery slope of his lifestyle ultimately ending in a Baton Rouge shooting where it's a bunch of cops that had no idea how to acquire side control or do any ground tactics, um, let alone submissions and end up having to shoot a guy because they lack the training they need. Um, even though it's a good shooting and they could have shot that guy just because you can shoot somebody doesn't mean, doesn't mean you need to, you know, my dad told me that before I went to Iraq and it was like, that shaped everything about what I became as, as a sniper you know, just because I could shoot somebody didn't mean that I needed to. Um, and as a CQB guy where I'm kicking indoors, you know, like, yeah, I could shoot dudes. I could also muzzle thump them in the face and then put flex cuffs on them and then, you know, figure things out after that. 
So it's it's they it's a it's a it's a lifestyle. It's a change. It's a paradigm shift of their life um, and how they live it, so that they can serve the community that they swore that they would protect. So this I could totally spend the rest of our time on this. But what is the? I mean, f- people might think that you have a unique perspective given your deployments and the and the face to face violence that you've had to deal with. That it's quote unquote easy for someone in your perspective to adopt that that because you it is so close to your face right so right in front of your nose and it's harder sometimes for a, even a cop who hasn't had a critical incident or a shooting or anything like that to maintain or or to adapt that sort of vigilance how do you suggest people start to you say it's a paradigm shift and I totally agree with you but how do they make that shift yeah it's a choice you know it's this existential realization that they could you know, it's 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 the maybe, it's the possibility, it's the unknown. Right. And if you're not scared to death of having to shoot somebody that shouldn't be shot, then I'm not going to talk. You know, there's no there's no point. I can't change your mind. But if if you fear making a mistake that's going to take somebody's life, you know, like I don't know how many people I've shot. I don't. Um, but I know I sleep at night. I've made mistakes, but I know that I I could not have trained harder or better prepared myself to be the best version of the shooter that I am. Um, to in the shooting range that I just came from, like just now, like why I'm late to get on this call, dripping sweat. That was after a 90 minute workout. Um, you know, it's maybe a hundred, 101, 102 degrees here in central Texas, uh, gravel. We are doing up, down drills, draw drills, transition drills on steel and variant distances between 25 to 50 meters. Um, you know, a little bit of blood, a little bit of sweat, uh, intentional malfunctions, immediate action drills, that feels normal to me. That that feels like a normal day at the range. Um, that's not shooting in air conditioning. That's not shooting a qualifying course. So I'm allowed to carry a pistol. Um, having somebody yell at me, having a pro timer, go beep, time to run. Like that um, seems normal. And if you say, well, how do you, how do you convince somebody? Like, I don't want to have to convince somebody because they're never going to commit themselves to it. They need to realize that they are in a position that could ultimately be taking somebody life, taking somebody's life, or saving somebody's life. There's no higher calling on the planet than that right there, taking or saving of life, and that is what police officers, firefighters, and soldiers do every day. There's nothing more important in I, I, human history than that. Couldn't agree more. Uh, and it's been, you see it so nicely and plainly. Um, and that may be the, the answer to a, a question related to, you know, if you could teach it one cop or teach a cop one thing, um, you had some, um, some very heartfelt things to say about law enforcement, uh, on, on Jocko's podcast and, and maybe given in the context of your brother and, and, your history and, and your dad, but you know, if, if you could, uh, you know, if you had the opportunity you do here to, you know, talk one-on-one with officers or if you have, you know, in your area, what do you say to them or what, what do you want them to understand from your perspective about, you know, moving forward? Yeah. Um, keep on keeping on first, you know, like this phase of, negative press and this this narrative about who they are and what they're doing it's a phase and it's intentional it's by design for a purpose that 
I think will become apparent in the next few months. And it's intentionally to divide the country. Um, I'm proud to have deep rooted foundation into the law enforcement community. And I'm proud of everything they have done. You know, when you look at the hundreds of shootings throughout the year that happened, 99.99% of them are absolutely completely righteous. And that 0.01% is even a question. You know, you're like, man, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Um, But it's really easy, you know, to be the Tuesday morning um, quarterback to make throw accusations unfounded, not being in those positions or never have experienced stress or have to fight for your life or what it feels like to reach into somebody's waistband when you have blood dripping into your eyes and feel a gun in there. Um, So, you know, first I'm going to say keep on keeping on. And then second is there needs to be at an upper management level, at a chief level, at a department of justice level, understanding that the police officers are ill-equipped and undertrained for what we expect them to be able to do. That we have the right guys. You know, um, the, the vast majority of police officers are remarkable humans and that this is what they dreamed of doing since they were kids. Yeah, there's bad apples. I'm not talking about them. I'm taking almost the entire tree. There's thousands of apples up there. They're all there for a reason. They're all delicious and they're all perfect. And that is the vast majority of the law enforcement community. Yes, there are a couple that have fallen on the ground. That's all I'm talking about. So we have the right guys. Um, they don't need to be demonized by the Department of, of Justice. You know, somebody, Loretta Lynch, walking up there and saying, rah, 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 these guys are not doing the right thing. Or the Albuquerque Police Department or, you know, the Baton Rouge Police. Shut, shut up. Shut up. There needs to be a, a, a shift at the highest level, chiefs, Department of Justice, supporting these guys and then realizing that they need to have the right equipment and training so that they can do the job. That's more sleep, that's more officers, and better equipment and better training. Excellent. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> uh, couldn't agree more. Um, all right, I want to shift gears a little bit and, and learn a little bit more about like your day-to-day and in, in your own just how you you live you know like you mentioned earlier you just announced that you're going to be uh fighting in ufc 200 205 at madison square garden um nice little small little venue (laughs) small small little fight i mean so you know you have a team of people with you at you know for your fight prep and then your fight camp and getting you into that ring they're obviously important to your success and i think the same is true in your military service you're surrounded by a team i mean that team of 12 you're talking about and they all have the ability to make you better or worse. And now in your private life, I mean, you're, 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 I say quasi civilian, I guess, but you're also entrepreneur. You're an instructor, like you say, for sheepdog response. And a big theme of our show is how you pick the team to surround you to make you better. Um, How do you pick your team that surrounds you? And how do you find the people you need to elevate your game, improve your weaknesses uh, and make you better? So there's a ton of assholes in this world, um, <laughs> coattail riders, ethnocentric, narcissistic pricks that are self-serving. Um, I look for the guy that is picking up the steel and picking up everybody else's brass. That's the guy I want to shoot with. Um, I look for the guy that comes into the office first and leaves last. 
I look for the guy that um, is working smarter, not harder, but knows how to work hard. You know, my partner, Blake Hayes, it's hard to find somebody that's going to hustle as hard as I do. You know, that's going to that's gonna get up at dawn and go to bed at midnight. Like, that's, that's how I work. Um, you know, Nick Palmashano at Ranger Up. Um, I've, I've never spent a cent of my fight money. money. I've been a professional athlete for 15 years. I've been rock, ranked top 10 in the world for the past 13 years, you know, on and off between deployments. Um, every cent of my money, I find a person like Blake or like Nick, and whatever they're doing, I just support them. Um, you know, I look for the guys that are dedicated and committed almost obsessively to what they do. You know, like my shooting instructors. Alex Acosta and Jake, you know, the shooting partner, shooting instructor, somewhere between there, they, they want to be perfect. You know, not only do they want to be grandmasters, not only do they want to be three gun competitors at the highest level war, winning worlds. Um, when I say, Hey, do you guys want to go shoot some long gun and do a seven mile sniper course? They're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, those guys, like my strength coaches, they're not, they're not a fat guy with a whistle and a stopwatch. These are guys that do the workout before I do it to make sure that the workout is perfect and will break me, um, like Juan at, on it or Todd Moore at Atomic Athlete. Those are my coaches. You know, when you get to jujitsu and striking, you know, Winkle John, Greg Jackson, and Paulio Brandao, they're the best in the world. There's nobody better. And I'm not... I, I honestly, I am not good at anything. I am a product of hard work and good coaching. Um, if I had talent, I would have been a world champ like 10 years ago. And uh, if I had the John Jones talent, the Anderson Silva talent, if I had that, I don't. What I have is a really fixed goal and a commitment to work hard and people that will direct me in the right way, um, which then gives me what, six different successful companies, a very prolific, successful fighting career, and then so far a pretty decent military career. <laughs> pretty pretty decent. I'll, I'll, allow, I'll allow you that. <laughs> um, so uh, routines uh, are another thing. Um, I, I'm finding as I get older, I'm just slightly older than you, that the more I can routine my day or schedule my day, the better it is and the better I, more successful I am. Yeah. Do you have a routine you stick to throughout your day, either – either now or when you were on active duty? Yeah. Um, yeah. Every, every day, you know, I, I'll pull my phone up and show you my calendar with, um, you know, what, what time I get up the, which is around daybreak. Uh, I'm able to work for about an hour, uh, before this little guy. Let me show you that guy. Can you see him? Not quite. Yeah. Oh, it's my son. Okay. It's his sleeping monitor. If Uh-oh. he wakes up, this interview's over because I have to go get him. <laughs> All right. Um, the, He's moving. Don't move. Don't wake up. All right, we're good. Um, You know, it gives me an hour, hour and a half of work before he wakes up. He wakes up. My girls are already at school. Um, When my girls go to school and he's up so I can say hi to him, I go to the gym for my first workout. Um, So now I've got my good time with my family. They're off doing their thing. Now it's my time to get my work done. Now I go to the gym, I work, and then um, I go from there to the shooting range. I shoot for... 90 minutes to two hours, um, come back, have about two hours to rehydrate during that rehydration recovery time. Um, that's when I do my calls. That's when I do my interviews. That's when I, you know, delegate tasks at the different companies. That's when I, you know, hop on calls with our our accountants, um, and then start prepping to go for my next workout. Um, 
So I have two to three workouts a day. I shoot three to four days a week. And then all the time in between each of those things is um, in front of a computer or on the phone. I think you just described a perfect day for a lot of cops, a lot of a lot of working out, and a lot of shooting. Yeah. Um, but it takes well, well, that that should be. You well, you say that that's the perfect day for a lot of cops. In reality, that's only like five or ten percent of guys would actually do that with their day off. I think that should be all of them. Well, you're you, valid point. It's how do you how do you squeeze all that in when you you know you've got forty eight hour work weeks you know where you you can't just break off yeah, and go yeah. to the range and shoot. That's the challenge. I mean, that's what half of the show is about is trying to figure out how to work those, work these issues of diet and sleep and exercise and uh, mindset and training all. How do you get those into the yeah. the few hours that you're not either at work or asleep? Yeah. Um, it is a mindset and a commitment. Those two things you, you said, those, those were your two words. It's a mindset and a commitment. And then everything else after those two things can happen working in between. I, I swear, man, like you, I almost just want to show you my, my calendar, but there's stuff on there that I can't show you. <laughs> um, like there's not a minute in that day that I have not efficiently ergonomically capitalized on and nobody, no, like I just taught three back-to-back sheepdog courses doing 16 hour days. And I still got two workouts in every single day when I'm teaching 16 hour days, Yeah, you know? No, so, I, I like, don't, 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 talk, don't like, it I'm, can be done. No, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I, what I'm saying, like when that's why I asked the question is that the, the failure become comes in the lack of scheduling Yeah, because if you and schedule, while, out, while you're doing interviews, you pull up a uh, sirloin egg and cheese with white egg, um, breakfast tacos. There you go. <laughs> so micro meals in between the day, micro meals. I'll let you chew on that. And that's probably going to answer one of my questions. Um, so hopefully you can get that down before I ask, but, uh, that takes a lot of energy to function on a day like that. What what is your diet like? Uh, do you have, do you subscribe to a specific kind of diet? And also, uh, do you take supplements on a daily basis or anything that is crucial to you that you find is good for your success? Yeah. Um, so I use my supplements. I, I try to do everything with real food. Um, you know, coffee and an apple is a pre workout thing. I'll I'll supplement that with like T plus and Shroom Tech from On It. Both are like natural, real food things. Like shroom tech is is like things from mushrooms that um, are a vascular dilator that make you be able to increase your workload. Um, and then T plus is is kind of it's not a stimulant, but it's like a, uh, it doesn't. It I don't know what it is. I don't. Um, the nutritionist from on it is the one that's kind of put together my six to eight meals a day around five thousand to six thousand calorie intake. Um, cause that's what I burn in a day. Um, and I get to eat mostly everything that I, that I put in, that I consume is real food. Very few people understand what real food is. It's not some crap that you grab off the, the aisle in the supermarket. It's like come, came from the ground or I knew the animal before it died, um, type food. And that's, <laughs> it had a name. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Is he moving? I can he see is moving, good. but he's he's good. All right, <laughs> you see my eyes shift. I like, see your oh. eyes shift. I, Mike, I remember that from when my kids were there too. Like, oh, don't do it, don't do it. Um, all right, so I want to uh, shift gears a little bit again, um, and uh, talk about something that I think is going to be interesting. You uh, had an Instagram post recently that got a lot of attention. I don't know more than attention than you expected, or but it got a lot, and um, 
I'm not going to quote the whole thing because it's kind of long, but I encourage everyone to read it, and I'll actually post it in the show notes. I'll post a link to it so people can read it. But um, maybe I'll just give – I don't know if it's appropriate to give my uh, commentary on it first before I even ask you, but I guess to some you were saying that anyone who claimed to have PTSD was just being, quote-unquote, a pussy. And when I first read it, I thought that's what you meant, but when I was rereading it, it seemed to me that you were acknowledging that PTSD is real, however – it is solved and managed through hard work and service. And that being, quote-unquote, again, a pussy was only if you submitted to it and allowed it to take over. I was hoping you could clarify that and shed some light on it because I know you've got unique experience with that. Yeah, the um, your perception of it was my intent. Um, a lot of people, I, I knew there's two sentences in that whole entire thing that could potentially really freak people out. And ironically, it wasn't the one where I said I killed women and children, um, which I thought was hilarious, uh, which is also true. But it was, you know, people like you call it a whole bunch of post-traumatic stress people pussies. It's like, no, what what I'm saying is if you have a victim mentality and this whole entire time that we've been talking, I have said it's, it's a mindset it is a choice. And sometimes you can't make that choice on your own. Sometimes you have just submitted to, to these experiences that you've had or these things that you've seen. And now you're at this slippery slope you're never going to get up from. What I'm saying is that for you to truly be able to rebound from the things that I've seen to the things that my brothers have seen and all of my friends that have experienced the same things – or healthy people, it's because we have committed ourselves and we've made choices um, to keep ourselves healthy to prevent from having to experience the need for counseling and medication and how all of the horrors that you have to live with having seen the things that we've seen. Um, it's easy to come back having, you know, seen dead bodies, kids, women on the side of the road or what it smells like to hear to smell a body burn and, um, and let those demons grow. You know, um, the, the, the human body, you, you can almost look at like, look at it like soil. Um, how are you preparing and cultivating your body for what type of thing to grow? Do you want healthy things to grow, which is going to be hard work, output, you know, success, entrepreneurism, athleticism, or are you conditionally setting yourself up for negative things to exist? And the entire motivation of that post was to encourage people, to empower people to get off their asses, to make that choice, to change that lifestyle, and commit themselves to having a, a soil, a body that is cultivated and prepared for greatness. And I think every veteran has the, every law enforcement officer, every firefighter, every paramedic, they have all of the things they need to, for greatness, to do amazing things that other people can't. But if they don't, they don't make the choice every single day to do the right thing and to work hard and to get up and to eat right and not to drink alcohol and not to, you know, go to strip clubs to do all the right things that they're, that the potential is limitless. But if you go the other way inversely and you're not doing those things, then don't come talking to me about, 
you know, I'm struggling with PTSD. Okay, well, when was the last time you exercised? How much alcohol have you drank this week? How, what different types of medications and whose were they that you started ingesting? You know, um, what was your diet like? How much sleep did you get? When was the last time you had sex? And lo and behold, if I go down these questions, you know, it's just like one after another. It's bad choice after bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And, I'm, and you, you can't even imagine how many emails I get from people being like, hey, I'm struggling. Can you help me? It's like somebody asking me, hey, can you help me write a diet? Or can you, help, can you give me a workout plan? And I go, when was the last time that you worked out? Well, if you give me a workout plan, I'll work out. No, no, no. That's not how this works. You haven't worked out in four months. Me writing you and spending hours to develop a workout plan for you is not going to send you to the gym. You being in the gym, just if you, go walk one hour a day for 30 days, and I'll write you a workout. Not one person's ever done it. Give me, give me a log of what you've eaten for a week, and I'll write you a diet plan. But no. Nobody has ever done it because nobody puts the work in. I'm saying put the work in and then, then you will see what the opportunity is for a healthy, you know, nightmare-free life. I, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of speechless because I think that soil, the soil analogy you just used is such a great way to think about that in how you, you get, you get, you reap what you sow, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Ah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm in my own head now thinking about it. So that, <laughs> so, um, just, I mean, look, look around behind you. Yeah. Well, my right? audience I, can't I see a barbell. See I see an American flag. You know, I see supplements. I see a, I see a dumbbell. You also see a lot you of know, laundry. I, but... I, I, yeah. I see dirty laundry from work. <laughs> you know, those are the indicative signs of somebody that is committed to something that could be potentially greater than themselves. You know, um, so I would talk to you for hours. You know, if you're struggling, I'd be like, Dude, let's talk. Let's see who who can help. Let's see if I can get you know. But you're you're an anomaly in honesty. On, honestly, like that, most people are too lazy to take the first steps, or sometimes they can't even take the steps themselves because they're so damaged. But they have to make a choice and say, "I need help." And then people like me will step up and help them. People like you will step up and help them. But it's a choice to get off their ass. And start preparing the soil for something great to grow. Tim, I couldn't think of a better place to end on. Uh, thank you for your time. Real quick, before we do get off the phone or the call, where can people find out more about Sheepdog Response if they want to come learn directly from you? Um, SheepdogResponse.com, Facebook, Sheepdog Response. Uh, we post. We have guys like Colton Smith. He's a UFC fighter, ranger that's currently deployed in Afghanistan. While he's in Afghanistan, he just shot a video for us on um, a side ride technique for fighting. Uh, we post stuff like that. We have guys like Alex Acosta, who's one of the best shooting instructors in the nation, that posts, posts little drills. Um, I, I actually just t- today learned I just shaved off about a quarter second off of my slide lock reload time. Um, from something that he gave me that we started drilling today. Quarter second is crazy change. Um, and uh, so Sheepdog Response on Facebook and SheepdogResponse.com on, on uh, you know the World Wide Web. And we'll put all those in the show notes too for everyone to follow. I highly suggest everyone follows your Instagram too. It's always uh, entertaining and, and always uh, you're always in, in interesting places it seems too. Yeah. We have, um, we have a law enforcement nonprofit foundation that is uh we're we're probably about two weeks away from it being finalized we all have all the part paperwork in we already have people giving us donations and it's to be able to help departments identify people that need training and be able to get those guys to the training um you know 
it's 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 tight belt time with a lot of law enforcement department agencies. Yes. Um, in a time when they should be spending every cent they have on giving it to officers to get the training that they need. Awesome! I can't wait to see more about that. Tim, again, thank you very much for your time. Yep. I will definitely be in your corner uh, at two o five. Good luck at Madison Square Gardens, man. It's going to be a good awesome. show. Thanks. All right, big thank you to Tim Kennedy for being on the show. He took a, uh, he was gracious enough to give us a lot of his time and and uh, had a great conversation with him and, and really enjoyed that. It's a small world when uh, when you find out stuff like that about someone who is you know, seemingly so far away. Anyway, uh, thanks again to Audible for their support of the show. You can check, get your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com forward slash the squad room. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash the squad room for your free audiobook. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. If you uh, do have a comment, a question, a concern, um, just want to say hi, please. I love hearing from you. You can check me out on Twitter and on Instagram at the squad room or shoot me an email, Garrett at the squad net. We want to uh, hear from you because we love hearing uh, what you guys are dealing with, what you're thinking and what you're going through. Also, if you have a moment, please consider leaving a five-star review or any star review, be an honest review on iTunes at, uh, through the iTunes app or iTunes store. And uh, tell a friend about the show. Please pass us around and help us spread the word about this kind of stuff that we know that, like today's episode especially, more cops need to hear this stuff. Uh, so pr- spread the word. Help us pass, uh, pass along Tim's message and the message of everybody who's been on this show. All right. Until next time, take care of each other and stay safe.